I want to jump right in. And what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about how we flourish in life, what the secret to flourishing is. Now, when I talk about the word flourish, I want to help us understand what I mean by flourish. Flourish does not mean um, uh, to prosper. I think that word prosper um, has been a little bit hijacked to carry this idea that uh, if you follow God, you're going to be healthy and wealthy, and you're not going to have any problems in life. We want to be realists, right? And in life, we live in a fallen world. In a fallen world, we have things like our health, our health fails. People die. Things break. Relationships struggle. And so we're not talking about, about prosper like there's not going to be anything bad happening. But when I talk about flourishing, here is my definition. This is not the definition out of the dictionary. This is my working definition. So you get what you paid for. To flourish is to thrive. To flourish means that our confidence and our joy and our trust in God is not constantly wavering depending on what's happening in our circumstances or what my feelings are in the current moment. That would be my picture of what it looks like to flourish. In fact, uh, I heard it said this week that flourishing is the difference between living and just existing. You might picture this idea of flourishing. You might picture a garden. You see that garden, and the garden is thriving, and there's fruits and vegetables and all sorts of great things happening, regardless of what's happening around. And that's more of a testament to the gardener instead of the garden itself. I tried to think, what would be a picture, what would be a person you could picture of being like, this is flourishing, now, I'm a bit of an old soul, so I, I went back to uh, one of my favorite movies as a child was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Dick Van Dyke, he is a guy that is just exudes joy, right? You never see him going, he, he's always just there and confident and smiling and full of joy. That would be a picture of me of flourishing. So let me ask you that question. What is the secret to flourishing in this life? What is the secret to living a life like that? Now, I know we're in church, and we're, when you're in church, people give the church answer. Well, God is the secret to flourishing in life, right? Right? Sermon's done. But let me ask you this. When we look around at Christians, those in the church, do we see Christians flourishing? See, I don't think it's enough just for us to, 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 to know about who God is. That's not enough. Because here's the problem. The problem is, the problem is we are sheep. We are sheep. Now, if you don't know anything about sheep, sheep are not the smartest animals, right? Like you, you can have a dog or, or a bird uh, and you can teach them a trick, but a sheep is like a, it's like a cat. Like you can't teach them to do anything. That's just the way that sheep are. Sheep, sheep are defenseless. Right? Like a dog's got claws and can bite you. A horse can kick you. A cat can shed his hair on you, and that's gross. Sheep, all they can do is, is headbutt you, which isn't really going to do very much against a predator trying to attack that poor little sheep. Sheep, they're known for having mob instincts, right? As a parent, you've told your, ch your, your child, hey, if, if, if one person jumps off the edge of the cliff, are you going to follow? Sheep are like, yeah, I am. One person goes, I'm that's what sheep do. That is how sheep are. And sheep on their own, they don't flourish. 
Sheep more so struggle through life. They get themselves in trouble. In fact, when you look at at farmers and you look at livestock and which livestock need the most care and attention, well above everything else is a sheep. A sheep, for a sheep to flourish, they need a a shepherd. They need a shepherd to, to lead them, to protect them, to guide them. And here's a correlation. Consistently throughout Scripture, the Bible refers to us as human beings as sheep. Highlighting the fact that left on our own, we often do not flourish. We need a shepherd. We need an outside voice. We need a guide to, 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 to lead us, to, to guide us, to protect us, to, to lead us to the point of flourishing. And that leads us today, this summer we've been looking at Psalms, trying to get uh, what are the Psalms, what can they teach us? Today we're going to look at Psalms chapter 23. I invite you to open your Bible Psalm 23. This is the most, if not the, then definitely one of the most quoted, well-known, memorized uh, passages of Scripture throughout the entire Bible. This is a, uh, Psalm 23 is often something you go to a funeral and you hear them talk about Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is great because it does give great comfort to those that are uh, mourning the loss of a loved one. But if Psalm 23 was confined just to funerals, we'd miss the rich depth that we find in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 was written by King David. Uh, King David uh, is a guy who had a pretty tremendous life. He experienced some of the highest of highs that life had to offer, as well as experiencing some of the lowest of lows. In fact, you think about King David, uh, man, he had these great successes. He killed Goliath, the giant. What a great victory. David was, was king over Israel. How awesome is that? He experienced some, some success that you and I would have a hard time grasping how successful he was. But on the flip side, he also suffered some, some major hardships in his life. He was a murderer, guilty uh, of killing the honorable Uriah. He suffered the loss of a child at childbirth. He actually had his son remove him from the throne, and pursue him to take his life. See, if you ever think about your life and you're like, dude, my, my, my family, we're a train wreck. Look at David's family. That's a greater train wreck. In the middle of all of this, middle of David experienced the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, he writes Psalm 23 and says, the Lord is my shepherd. And in these words of Psalm 23, he's going to describe what it looks like for us to flourish in life. He's also going to give us a secret to us experiencing that flourishing. So I want to do something a little different today. I'm going to invite you to stand if you are able to. We're going to read Psalm 23, but I like to read it together. I like to read it out loud. I like to do this thing where we can read it together and just hear this psalm over us this morning. The words can be in your Bible. We also have the words behind me on the screen. Uh, Let's start verse 1. Read this with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for the opportunity to open up your word and, and hear this psalm that so many of us are familiar with. And so, God, I pray that you allow us to hear these words differently today. That, God, that you would use these words to, to just draw us deeper in love with you, God, that you would lead us to a point that we want to flourish in life. And, God, you help us understand what that flourishing looks like. God, I pray that you would draw every one of us in here today, that you set out the distractions that would draw us away. We set aside the, the football games and the other things that are going on and just lean into your word today, whether we are here in person or online. Lord, I plead for your presence over us now, Jesus, in your holy and precious name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. This psalm starts out, and David writes and says, The Lord is my shepherd. Now, when, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what he means is the Lord is my guide. The Lord is my leader. The Lord is the voice that I am listening to and following after to guide my steps and, and direct my paths. See, oftentimes when we think about God, we think about God in this grandiose uh, God, right? We think of God being the creator who created the heavens and the earth, and he's this, this God someplace up managing all this Stuff all throughout the universe. This is big, uh, huge God that's way up there. But when David says the Lord is my shepherd, it kind of changes the way that we look at God. Because that means as a shepherd, that God is not just this God in the cosmos. He's not this God somewhere out there. When he says the Lord is my shepherd, that means he is a personal God. That means that God chooses as a shepherd to interact with us to guide us, to love us. And when we understand that God is not just this grandiose God somewhere out there, but he's a personal God, it changes how we interact with him. It changes our posture when we think about God. In fact, I would encourage you in your Bible this morning, next to Psalm 23, would you write in John chapter 10? John chapter 10, because when we're looking, and when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, these two passages, they go together. Because in John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking and Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23 is written about Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 10, three times Jesus says, or excuse me, Jesus says in verse 3, he says, the sheep, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Jesus says, if you are my sheep, you hear my voice and you follow me. And the question is, well, where do we follow him to? We follow him to Psalm 23. And this is what we learn. This is a kind of flourishing that Jesus, the good shepherd, leads us to. First thing he leads us to, when we're talking about the flourishing from Jesus, number one, the flourishing is he gives us contentment. That when Jesus is our shepherd, when he leads us to flourishing, that means he gives us contentment. That's what he says in verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now he says, I shall not want. What that means is we're not going to be lacking. We're not going to be lacking. We have what we need. And I want to give just a little bit of a caution here because we hear that and we think that sounds really good. 
I'm not going to want, right? There's a difference between what we want and what we need. Too often what happens is we limit God's giving to us to only being material things. Well, God gives me what I want, so he'll give me the car, the house, the job, the vacation, the whatever it happens to be. Too often we limit God's goodness to just material things. God's giving is so much greater than that. God's giving is so much greater than that. In fact, I found in my life, when I've gone through the hardest times of my life, when I've dealt with the loss of a loved one, when, when I've dealt with a, a friend who's betrayed me, when I, my kids have been sick, you know what I found? That car, that new toy, that big house, that bank account, doesn't really make things better, right? When I'm going through hard things in life, like that car just doesn't make up for that difficulty in my life. And this is where we have to understand the good shepherd, he provides for our needs, so yes, he's going to provide for us physically, but he provides us so much more. That's when, when life is, is hard and we feel overwhelmed. We don't need a new toy. We need peace. When we're dealing with confusion and despair, we don't need a, a bigger paycheck. We need wisdom. And God is saying, hey, listen, I will give you these things. I'll give you peace. I will give you a wisdom. I'll give you what you need most. And the best, the best thing that we can understand is God never stops giving to us. He gives us what we want and what we need. And when we are, are allowing him to be our shepherd, he leads us to flourishing, which means that we will be content because he gives us everything that we want and everything that we need. Number two, when we allow Jesus to be our shepherd, he leads us to flourishing, and that means that he will give us rest. Verse two I love verse 2. David writes, he makes, me lie down in green, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. See, I don't, I don't know about you, but I always feel like in, in life, do, do you feel that pressure? Do you feel that pressure from people around you and from our culture that always is telling you how hey, you've got to do a little bit more? You need to, to be a little bit better. Like, maybe this is just me, but I always feel pressure where I need to do more, I need to be more, I need to accomplish more. I always feel this pressure to stop doing this and start doing that. And our culture, it almost seems like our culture is constantly changing what it looks like for us to be successful. It changes what it looks like to win. It changes what it looks like for us to be successful, to be a godly man, a godly woman. And I can't, I can't say this about you, but I'll say for me, Feeling that constant pressure, man, I have felt and known exhaustion. I've known what it is to be stressed out, anxious, overwhelmed, physically, emotionally, spiritually, just exhausted and weary. And, and I hear this, and I think this sounds so beautiful, because the shepherd gives you rest. You see, we often think, well, when I'm exhausted, when I'm overwhelmed, I just need a vacation. I, I just need a new Netflix series. I, I just need something like that, a new toy. But you ever notice that those things can't really deal with that root issue of rest? And here's the shepherd who says, I will give you rest. David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. Doesn't that sound pretty amazing? 
Wouldn't you love to go for a picnic in green pastures beside still waters? That sounds amazing. And see, the imagery, the imagery that David is writing this in, the imagery is that the shepherd, he leads us out of something, into these green pastures. He leads us out of drought and weariness and exhaustion into this idyllic picture of green pastures and still waters where we can just let go and just be. Man, doesn't that sound good? In our society where it's always a rat race, you always feel the pressure to do more and be more. In fact, I want you to notice when David writes, he writes in the plural. He said, he, said, he makes me lie down in green pastures, plural. He leads me beside still waters, plural. See, this isn't just once that God gives us this kind of rest. It's not like you come to Jesus and you have this moment, he gives you rest, and then you just get right back at to uh, trying to, to achieve everything. That's not the way it works. He offers us ongoing, perpetual rest for our souls, a place of stillness, a place of, of peace where the weariness and the anxiety of life is given way to the rest that God offers us. Listen, if you are anxious and tired and overwhelmed, that is the invitation that God is offering to you today of rest. The question is, will you continue claiming ownership and trying to control life? Will you, or let me just say, are you able to actually trust that God can give you the rest that you are longing for, the peace that you desire? Are you willing to trust that God will accomplish things that right now feel impossible? Because it's when we can trust God and give those things to God, that is when he leads us to this idyllic place of rest, of green pastures and still waters. When Jesus is our shepherd, he leads us to flourishing. He makes us content. He, he, he gives us rest. And the third thing he does is he secures our faith. Verse 3 says, you restore my soul. You lead me to paths of righteousness. This may be the anchor for this entire text. When we think about, when we think about Jesus and we think, well, why is, why is he a good shepherd? Why is he my shepherd? Why, why is he offering to give us peace? Why is he giving us, why is he providing for us? Why is he making us content? Why does he give us such good care and devotion? Why would he comfort us? Why would he give us rest? The answer is right here, so that we would walk in paths of righteousness. That is why he is our good shepherd. He wants us to experience these paths of righteousness. Because here's what I found. Throughout all of history, throughout my history, throughout your history, and throughout the history, throughout the entire scriptures, the people of God do not seem to be able to stay on paths of righteousness for very long. You ever seen that? You ever experienced that? The people of God have a hard time staying on paths of righteousness. Where we experience these miracle things that God does for us, these miraculous things, and God provides for us in a way, and we're like, oh, I'm so on fire for God. And then what happens? We kind of forget about that get back to doing our own thing, going down our own path, 
Why is it that we have such a hard time staying on paths of righteousness? It's not just you. It's throughout the entire Bible. It's throughout the entire history. See, so many times you look at our faith. We think about faith. We think faith is one of those things I've just got to hunker down and try really hard. I've got to try really hard to, to live for God and to stop sinning. Did you ever know that God, do you know that God has never asked for your moral transformation? God doesn't want you just to follow a bunch of rules. What God wants, he wants your heart. God wants your heart. And how does God get your heart? How does he lead us to paths of righteousness? Again, this is why we got to look back to John chapter 10. Because in John chapter 10, three times Jesus says this. Jesus says, I give my life for the sheep. I give my life for the sheep. I give my life for the sheep. Jesus, as a good shepherd, he went to the cross. He gave his, his perfect life to pay the penalty for our sin, to give us a new heart so that he could lead us to paths of righteousness. You see, walking on these paths of righteousness, it's not about us trying hard to stay on the path. It's about us experiencing what Jesus has done for us. That is how we stay on these paths. Not by trying really hard, not by trying to do all the rules and look the right parts. It's by experiencing the grace and the love that Jesus has, has bestowed to us in the gospel through the cross. And the best part about this is look back in the verse. It says, it says this. He says, he leads, me, he leads me beside paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see that? It's about God's goodness, not about mine. It's about God's glory, not about mine. It's about God's power, not about mine. Because, let's just be honest, if it was about me, if it was about you, we walk through life and we begin to stumble and fall again. We walk through life and we begin to, to forget uh, what God has done for us. We walk through life and, and we feel weak and maybe we lack a little bit of faith. And we struggle a little bit and we're like, man, I'm screwed. God's going to be so mad at me because I'm not on this path of righteousness. But if it's all about God, that means when I'm weak, he's still strong. That means when I lack faith, he's still faithful. In fact, when we consider the whole story of God, when we consider all of what God does, how he gives us contentment, how he gives us rest, how he leads us to paths of righteousness, he does these things not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because we're good, we're not. We're not worthy. He does so because he's good, because he's generous, because he loves us. We've got to grasp it's about him and what he's done and not about us and what we've done. There's number three. Flourishing from Jesus, he secures our faith. Number four, he removes our fear. Verse four, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, this is where I, I'm a realist and I love that the Bible is so true and honest, Right? When we look in the Bible, it never paints a picture that is inconsistent with our reality. I mean, here's David. He, he's talked about the good stuff. He's talked about the good stuff that God does for him. 
Oh, he, he, he makes us content. He gives us what we need, gives us what we want. He gives us rest. He leaves us beside these, these green pastures and these still waters. He secures our faith. He does all these good things. But David goes right into, well, there's also some other stuff that happens. There's some hard stuff. And David acknowledges that life has hard stuff in it. We go through valleys that David describes as a shadow of death, right? We deal with physical illness. We deal with loss of loved ones who have died. We deal with depression. We deal with broken relationships. We deal with financial hardships. We deal with pandemics. We deal with hard stuff. And despite that, David, despite all the blessing, he knew hard times like this. In fact, David, throughout the Psalms, you see David writing things like this, saying, God, where are you? How long, God, will you forsake me forever? David knew what it was like to struggle. And it's in that valley that David said, here's the encouragement of God. And if you're facing a difficulty right now, you're going through a hardship, some difficult things, you need to hear this. The encouragement is not that God's going to pull you out of the valley. It's not that he's going to make everything better. The encouragement is this, that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. No matter what difficulty you are walking through, you do not have to fear. Why? Because David said, you are with me. See, the promise of Psalm 23 is not a life without pain and difficulty. The promise of Psalm 23 is no matter what difficulty you face, no matter what pain you are in, God will be with you. Satan wants nothing more than to make you feel that you are forgotten. And you need to hear this beautiful promise from Scripture today that Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what it is you are facing, he is with you, right beside you. You are not alone. In fact, again, you look at John chapter 10. In John 10, Jesus says there are other shepherds. There are other shepherds that we can follow. And when trouble comes, those shepherds, what do they do? They run away. They flee. And isn't that true? I mean, if we think that money is going to satisfy our soul, right? We think money is going to bring us flourishing and happiness. What happens when our kids start making a shipwreck of their life? Money doesn't seem like a lot of comfort in that moment. It feels like money would let us down when we're dealing with those hard things, right? What happens if we build our life around our health? What happens when we try to do everything we can to ensure we have a long life? You know, we eat the kale. We eat blueberries. We put essential oils all over our bodies. But what happens when we get to the valley of cancer? All of a sudden, we've lost our hope. We become angry and disappointed. But that's not the way it is with our good shepherd and Jesus. No matter what difficulty we face, he is with us in the middle of it. We're not alone. In fact, David even goes further and says, not only, not only do we get the presence of Jesus in whatever we're going through, but he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, too often, Debbie said earlier today, too often we view God as being this judge. And we think when, 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 when God comes, he's going to be like, oh, I'm holding you accountable. Bend over, I'm spanking you because of all the bad things you've done. But that's not what happens. He says, you've, he's come to comfort us. He's come to comfort us with his rod and his staff. Rod and a staff, these are two different tools that a shepherd would have. 
A, a rod was a club that was used to defend the sheep from whatever uh, predators might come. And the staff was used to, to navigate the sheep through whatever difficult terrain they're going through. And I want you to catch this picture. The picture is whatever difficulty we're facing, whatever hardship we're going through, pain, whatever valley of the shadow of death that we are facing, Jesus, the good shepherd, has not abandoned you. He is with you, comforting you. He's got his rod to defend you. He's got his rod to defend you. He's got his staff to lead you through whatever it is you are facing. Listen, if you are sitting in fear today of whatever it is, of a health scare, of a pandemic, of a financial hardship, of a broken relationship, if you are sitting in fear, you're missing out on the flourishing that God is offering us today. Number four, he removes our fear. Number five, he honors us. I love this, verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before, my enemy, before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I want you to notice the order of where verse 5 comes in. Verse 4, we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. We're going through a hardship and a difficult thing. And then all of a sudden, verse 5, God prepares a feast for us. He anoints our head with oil. See, in the biblical day, to anoint someone's head with oil, that was to honor them. That was to say, uh, you are a, a guest of honor. You are a prized relationship. That's a pretty cool thing. And so here's God. Look, he's not hiding his affection for us. He's not, he, he's not, he's not saying, well, I like you, but I'm kind of embarrassed about you. So he, he's not like that weird family member who will only talk to you when no one else is around. He's not that friend that's like, well, I'm kind of, I won't take you out in public. I'll be friends with you in private on social media, but I'm not really going to be seen in public with you because I'm embarrassed by you. That's not what God does. It says, in the presence of your enemies, for everybody to see, he honors us. He throws us a party. He anoints our head with oil. He gives us the best seat at the table. He, he pours into our wine glass until our cup is overflowing. He honors us in this way. I want, to, I want to be clear. When David writes this, he's not just talking about heaven. He's not talking about when we die and when we are heaven. He's talking about right here and right now. That Jesus, our good shepherd, he loves you. He delights in you. He wants to, to bless you. He wants to give graciously to you out of his abundance. This is what it means for us to belong in the household of God. That he loves us and he honors us. That he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. I love that. Sixth thing he does for us to lead us to flourishing. I love this. He pursues us. Verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That word follow, I think, is actually a pretty poor translation. Because we think about follow, we think, well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the good shepherd is, you know, maybe he lags behind us. Maybe God is lagging behind us, kind of like, like you get a kid and you're dragging him to the principal's office and they're like, oh gosh, and they're dragging. That's not quite what we're talking about in, in this verse. 
The Hebrew word uh, actually means to pursue, means to chase. And so the picture of this is that, is that the good shepherd is in an all-out pursuit of you. That means that his goodness is not lagging behind. His goodness is in an all-out pursuit to overtake you. God's mercy is not lagging behind. His mercy is in an all-out pursuit to overtake you with that mercy. His love is not lagging behind. His love is there to overtake you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how different your day would be if you woke up in the morning and thought, man, God is pursuing me today. God's goodness is pursuing me in whatever I'm facing today. Can you imagine how that would change the way you view your day? Change the way you view your life if you understood, listen, God is pursuing you to overtake you with his love. I just love that. I I love that picture that God is pursuing after me. See, this is Psalm 23. It is beautiful, defining what flourishing looks like. To flourish means that we will be content, that we'll have rest, that we'll have a secure faith, that we'll have courage and confidence in our standing with God, and that we will have our value that is given to us by Him. And here's the secret of this whole psalm, that that flourishing is found as a result of allowing Jesus to be our shepherd. That flourishing is found as when we allow Jesus to be our guide, when we follow his voice, when we will obey his steps that he is leading us to. I'm not sure about you, but I want that. I want those things. I want to flourish like a sheep with a good shepherd. So let me ask this question. Most of us would want that. Why aren't we experiencing that kind of flourishing? Why does it seem so many of us are grasping for something that seems out of our control? Why aren't we experiencing the flourishing that Psalm 23 said is ours? Why is contentment something that so many of us struggle with? Let's just be honest. Why do we struggle being content with where God has placed us, always thinking we need more? We need something else. Why have we allowed our culture to leave us feeling tired, constantly feeling the need to do more, to be more? Why are we unable to trust God and experience true rest for our soul? Why are we struggling staying on paths of righteousness? That our faith always feels like we're in flux between being hot for God and being cold for Him. Here's a real one. Why as Christians, why as people, why are we filled with fear? Fear of the pandemic? Fear of financial issues? Fear of health issues? Why do we doubt God's love and care for us? See, this summer over sabbatical, I had a sabbatical coach. That's actually a thing. I had a sabbatical coach, and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose one passage of Scripture, and I want you to sit in that passage all summer long. I'm like, that sounds good. What passage would you recommend? And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just read in Psalm 23. So I spent this summer in Psalm 23 reading it over and over and over again. I read commentaries and and, and devotionals on Psalm 23. And I wrestled with that question. 
This is what God has offered to us to flourish. Why aren't we flourishing? So let's look back in this text because it's one of those things that we can miss very easily. I want you to look back at this text and I want you to notice the first person pronouns with me. That is I, me, my. Let's read this again and I want you to count these. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me. The presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Seventeen times, seventeen times, there's this, pro, this personal pronoun. See, it's not enough for us to know that God is a shepherd. It's not enough, uh, it's not enough for us to know Jesus is a good shepherd. We flourish when, we, he, when he is my shepherd. We flourish when he is my personal shepherd and guide and leader. Do you know him like that? Do you know him like that? This is where I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest before God. Who is your shepherd? Let me actually change the wording from shepherd because maybe you have a hard time grasping that. Let me ask it this way. What is a voice that you are listening to to guide your life? What is a voice that you are allowing to shape what you pursue, what you believe will lead you to flourishing? What voice is influencing your decisions that you make every day? What voice is saying, this is where you're going to find meaning? This is what's going to lead you to flourishing? What voice or what person is saying this is who you need to be? Who are you trying to imitate? Maybe it's a voice from the culture allowing to, allow, uh, causing you to, to, to determine what you think is going to be important. Maybe that, voice, maybe that voice comes from within you where you've got your own desires, your own compulsions, and maybe out of arrogance, you say, well, I see things right. I'm going to do my own thing. I mean, sure, the Bible says one thing, but I mean, I, I see this right. I, I, I'm smart enough, and I'm just going to do my own thing. What is the loudest voice for you that has the greatest influence in your heart? Because I'll tell you, these voices, it's kind of like they whisper into our ears slowly. And it goes through our ears into our hearts. And that begins to be what shapes our heart. And that becomes our shepherd. That becomes our leader. That becomes our guide. Let's just be honest. Here we are in church. We can be a Christian. We can go to church. We can serve God. We can, we can pray. We can do devotions with our family. Yet we can still be led by other voices. We live a divided life. Well, yeah, we've got some of God because we know that's important, but we've allowed these other voices into our, into our ears and into our heart. And so we're walking 
It's a divided person. We got one foot, okay, I want some of God, I want his blessing, but in reality, this voice is leading me to pursue uh, flourishing in all these other areas. It's more money. It's a relationship. It's a status. It's whatever it happens to be. Money. Right? We often think, if I just had enough money, then I'd have rest. If I had my financial portfolio prepared for retirement, then I could rest and breathe easy. We look at our education. Well, I've got this great education. I'm going to trust that education to guide me through life, to guide me through ministry, to guide me through whatever it happens to be. We look at our experience. Look at all I've done. All my experience, it validates me. It makes me, it makes me valuable. It makes me worthy of something. Might be a certain relationship. If I just get the relationship status, then I'll have everything made. It might be a job. It might be a vacation. It might be experience. It might be a social media following. It might be some other thing that we think will make my life right, that will lead us to flourishing. And let's just be honest. How often do we turn to something that looks fun that we think is going to lead us to flourishing? What happens is we end up using God. We use God all the while while we're allowing something else to, to guide our life. And here's the truth. No matter how much we fake it, we're not flourishing. When we're living that divided life, we can fake it and put a smile on and live on social media and show all the good pictures. When we're allowing something else to guide our life, we are not flourishing like Psalm 23 just said. Again, I, I spent the summer wrestling through this psalm. My shepherd, it's not an outside voice. See, what I had to come to realize for myself is I'm a, I'm a husband. My job as a husband is to shepherd my wife. I love it. I love my wife. I love that opportunity to shepherd her. I'm a dad of five kids. My job as a dad is to shepherd my kids. I love it. And I will pour into them and, and do everything I can to shepherd them. I get the privilege of pastoring a church. And it is such a joy to, to, to shepherd a, a church like Restoration. I love it. I, I love it. See, I realized this summer is I can fill my life serving other people. Loving other people, shepherding other people, having other people trust me. Because honestly, it's easier for me to shepherd other people than for me to actually be shepherded by someone else. It's easy for me to say, I'm a shepherd, that's what I do, instead of recognizing, no, I'm a sheep and I need to shepherd myself. Sitting in Psalm 23 this summer, I realized I've got some trust and fear issues where I'm, I'm afraid to, to let go, afraid to, to be loved and to be cared for by the good shepherd who, who's promised us these beautiful things in Psalm 23. So I'm done with it. I want to flourish. 
I want what Psalm 23 is offering. I want the flourishing that God has said, this is what happens when you follow me. Listen, what other voice is in your head? What other shepherd have you allowed to guide and to lead you? See, here's here's a simple challenge. Here's a simple challenge for us today. Joshua 24, Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. For us, the challenge is choose this day whom you allow to be your shepherd. Choose this day who you allow to lead your life, to guide your life, to lead you to flourishing. Reality is, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can't have two shepherds. You can't have two guides for your life. So the question for you is, choose this day who you allow to shepherd your life. In fact, as you wrestle through that, here's what I encourage you to do. Just like this sabbatical guide said to me this summer, my encouragement to you is to go home and just sit in Psalm 23 this week. Read this familiar passage over and over again. Read it. Read it in the morning. Read it before every meal you eat this week. Read it at bedtime. Memorize this passage. It is beautiful. And as you sit in Psalm 23, watch as the power of God's word impacts you and points you to the good shepherd. So the good shepherd could lead you to that spot of flourishing where we experience contentment and rest and a secure faith and a confidence. I love this church. I love y'all. I want us to experience flourishing. So let's do this together. Let's do this together. Let's walk through life with one another, challenging one another to, to come back to Psalm 23, to come back to John 10, to come back to the good shepherd, to lead us to the spot of flourishing, that together we could begin to drown out those other voices that would lead us away from what God is offering us. Because the only way that we will experience the flourishing of Psalm 23 is when we allow Jesus to be our shepherd. Let's pray.